I, uh, I brought a shovel in to the 830 service because the scripture refers to a shovel. And then I, I've left it in my office. Because I don't need the shovel to tell the story. I, uh, but I, but I am, I am prayerful that that the scriptures we read this morning will help you in the ways that they are helping me. I, uh, for every person that knows me, knows that um, for all of the papers that you can hang on your wall, doesn't make you smart. Can I get an amen? to that right and I, I resemble that and sometimes sometimes the message I need to hear is plain and straightforward right and so uh, so that's what I hope to offer to myself this morning and I invite you to listen in but before we uh, we get to the scriptures I uh, invite you to join with me for a word of prayer let's pray O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, we pray. Amen and amen. So, so let's go back a long, long ways to a, a, a kind of a, a, a guy that we've known before and some of his family, and we won't get into much of it, but um, let's go back to the story of Jacob. Jacob, of course, uh, also had, uh, also was referred to as Israel, and um, Jacob Israel, he went by both names. He had 12 sons. One of them was Joseph. It's a phenomenal story. It really, uh, it's, it's a, he's, a, he's a big character in this giant first third of the Bible, but I'd like to just, I'd like to pick a few verses from the story of Jacob's life and talk about those today as we continue to, uh, to talk in this series around, um, around how we share our faith, how we, how we go and tell the story. So if you would turn in your Bibles with me, if you've got them, if you don't, turn on your device, if you've got that. Um, uh, if you need a Bible, we give those away on the front counter out there, but, uh, but you're also welcome to, uh, to follow along on the screen as, uh, as Tammy scrolls through the, uh, the verses. It's Genesis 35, and what I'll do is I'll read a couple of verses and then I'll interrupt myself and we'll go somewhere else and then I'll come back. So um, I'm just telling you that ahead of time. So it's Genesis 35 and this is, this is the beginning of this story. It says this, God said to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel, literally a Hebrew word that means house of God, and live there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you ran away from your brother Esau. So this, this, is, um, this is the word of God to, to Jacob. And in just a couple of sentences, he reminds Jacob, in case you've forgotten, the straight path you are on now has not always been the path you were on, right? Because Jacob's history, and many of you, many of you know this, but Jacob's history is that, uh, that he's flying the straight and narrow now, but he used to be, um, they actually called him like a trickster. That's who Jacob was. He, uh, he, he, he was, um, uh, let's just say the path he took was crooked, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He was a, he was a trickster. He treated people poorly. Um, he did the same to his brother at one point. And, and so God's word is, uh, you know, uh, you, you build this altar, um, and it goes back to this previous time in your life. And he makes reference to that. And so this is what Jacob says. Verse 2, Jacob said to his household, 
pay attention to that. And to everyone else, who, everyone who was with him. So it says here that Jacob's audience was both the people of his house, right? The people that were his kin, right? Or that had married in to, um, to, to, the, to the family. But it was also, the audience, was also another component of people who apparently were traveling with Jacob and his family, but were not his family. Are you with me? So there's sort of two groups going on here. There's like the, uh, like, like the family insiders, and then there's, there's another element that are traveling with him. And so he, he, he addresses them. Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you. Clean yourselves and change your clothes. Those last words are the same words that my wife says every time I go and eat barbecue, right? It is, it is, it is. She's like, you smell like the white diamond. To which I say, and, you know, and, and she goes, yeah, you need to change. Barbecue and Mexican, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. Clean yourselves and change your clothes. Now, here's what's fascinating. Is this story, this story is really old. I mean, this is, this is ancient, like, 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 honestly, like, very difficult to date. Is this, is this 1,200 years before Jesus? Is this 1,300? This is way back there, kind of ancient story. But, but what he tells this group of, let me, let, me hear, let me say it, what he tells this group of insiders and the outsiders who are listening in is to, to give up the foreign gods, give up the things that are not true, and change your life, literally, so much so on the inside that even your outward appearance is different. Now, that was, that was a long time ago. But if you fast forward a thousand years or more, this is what it sounds like. This is so fascinating. So this is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Ephesus which is like a, a couple of decades after Jesus uh, had his earthly ministry. You know, he was, uh, he was 33 when he was crucified, but the three years before that, he was in earthly ministry. And so a couple, couple decades after that, Paul is writing to this church of Christians... But the fascinating thing is that uh, you get the sense that some in the church are doing right and some, well, we're not sure about. He says this. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, this is like a thousand years after what Jacob said. And this is the way Paul says it. Verse 22. Change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourselves with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. You see it? Like a thousand years separated, but it's the same thing. A thousand years, a completely different place, a completely different stuff. Like, I mean, it might as, well be just, uh, might as well be just night and day, completely different, right? You know, sort of like the year 2017 and like, like a long time ago, like 1997. Anybody remember that back that far, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or really long ago, like 1987, 
we'll be listening. Yeah, we'll be listening to the radio and the boys will be like, you listen to this stuff? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I love this stuff. And I turn it up really loud. Ah, you know, you know. And then some two or three of you in the room can go further than that. Like 77. I was alive in 77. 67. 57. Right? I'll stop there. It gets awkward now. <clears throat> Keep going. Keep going. The fascinating thing is that for as much as the world is changing, for as much as the world is changing in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, right? right, It's the same message. A thousand years have passed, and it's the same message. Change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were. Renew your mind by the Spirit, and clothe yourselves with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. What I, what I hear Paul saying there is that, that you should change your inside so substantially that people see it on the outside. Well, that's the language of clothing. Now, two or three of you in the room right now are thinking, the preacher just said, I need to go, to, I need to go shopping, is what he said, Right? And, and whatever, right, okay? <clears throat> Change your inside so much that the outside even looks different. That the outside looks different. But now here's what's fascinating. Here's what's fascinating, is that this is Paul writing to a church, and he's still having to tell the church this message. What, what, what's, the biggest, what's the biggest complaint that people way outside the church have about people right here inside the church? What's the biggest complaint? Say it. Yeah, that's the word. And of course, hypocrites, and I don't know the, I don't know the Greek perfectly, but hypocrites uh, go, goes back to the like, 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 you know, 2,000 years ago worth of, of like, like stage and drama. It's this, this concept of person, one person having like two faces, right? To be a hypocrite is to be like two-faced. To show one side over here and one side over there. This is the fascinating thing. Paul's message to the church is change yourself from the inside out so that everybody can see it because there are some of you inside the church that need to hear this message. Now, I'm, now I'm not preaching to anybody in the room, all right? This is, this is, so I'm not getting on anybody in the room. Unless, unless I am. <laughs> but, the, but the challenge, the challenge for the church's witness, for people that are looking in, is what do they see when they look in? What do they see when they look in? I, I, I'm not going to read it. We don't have, I, don't, I don't have it queued up, because uh, it's really long, but it's worth reading. It's a, uh, Colossians 3, verses 5 through 14. It's the exact same thing as the Ephesians, but it's longer. And it says the same thing. It, it talks about clothing. It talks about taking off this thing and putting on this thing and taking off this thing. And it talks about, it talks about all the things we do wrong. I mean, sin. I- immorality, s- sexual, I mean, it just, just on and on and on and on. All the stuff we do wrong. Lying, cheating, just meanness, it's it just like one list after another. 
And it's a, it's, it's a message to the church. What he's saying is that people look at you and your outward appearance gives you away. You need to change who you are from the inside so much so that the outside shows it. All right, all right, but that's enough of a detour. Back to Jacob. Jacob and this audience of people who are inside the family and then those who are traveling with him that are with him, but, but apparently somehow outside of the family. And, 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 and what does he say? He says, Jacob 35. You know, he's like, he's like clean yourselves and change your clothes. And then, and then the next verse says this. Then let's rise and go up to Bethel so that I can build an altar there. And the implication is that you're going to be with me. It's another way of saying Jacob invited all of them to go to worship. And then this is who I'm worshiping. This is right there in the middle of verse 3. I worship the God who answered me when I was in trouble. And I worship the one who has been with me wherever I've gone. So the story continues to say, So they gave Jacob all of the foreign gods they had, as well as the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the terebinth at Shechem. This is the word of God for we the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. This is the word of God for me, and I say, thanks be to God. We, um, we started a couple weeks ago, we started talking about, um, uh, about, about sharing our faith, something that, we, uh, something that the church knows it's supposed to do, the church struggles with, um, the church uh, has questions about, and, and, so, um, and, and so we just have been addressing it pretty straightforward. The, the first is the, uh, what does it mean to share your faith? And so we've been talking about that. A couple weeks ago, I, uh, I proposed that, uh, that too often it gets reduced down to um, just, uh, just, just this, like, this, like, this proclamation. But in fact, sharing our faith is this awareness that there's three parts to it. Before the proclamation, there is the event itself. I mean, we're not, when, when we share our faith, we're not making up what's happened. There's the event that happened before that. And so there's the event and then there is the sharing, and it doesn't have to, doesn't have to be passing out tracts, and it doesn't have to have the bullhorn, it doesn't have to be loud, but, but, but there is the sharing. And then the third part, the third part is, the third part is the call to change in action. And the, the fascinating thing is that Jacob does all three. Jacob says, there was a time in my past in which I cried out to God, and my proclamation is that every time he answered me. There was a time in my past that I found myself in places I could not have imagined I would have been, and every time, my, my testimony is God was with me. And, and then he says, this God who is with me and answers my prayers is calling me and you to change the way you live. This is, this, is, this is the what, this is the content of how the church is called to share its faith. 
And then last week, we began to ask the question, well, who's the audience? And so we talked about children last week. We, we, we were reminded of this fact that, that if we don't share our faith with our children, then Christianity is just one brief generation from ceasing to exist. I mean, that's the first audience. And it's hard, right? Anybody that has children gets an amen. It's, it's hard. Children are hard. Parenting is hard. I mean, the whole deal. Trust me. It's just, you, know, you don't have to trust me. You know, it's hard. And yet, and yet we're called to share our faith. But, but today, the audience, the audience are these outsiders. There's a, there's a, there's a second level. And I'll, and I'll be up front with you like I have been with the, other, with the other two services. When it comes to sharing faith with outsiders, I struggle with that. And b- before you, you know, get the personnel committee together, it's not because I don't believe what I'm sharing, right? You with me? It's because I spend all my time with insiders. Anybody want to guess where I'm going to be tomorrow night? In a church meeting. Which, of course, will be different than Tuesday night when I'm in a, hold on, in a church meeting. (laughs) And then Wednesday, I'm not going to be in a church meeting. I'm going to be at church um, having dinner before we have Bible study, right? And Thursday, I can't remember where I'm going to be, but I'm, it's actually pretty sure that it might be at a church meeting. And, he, and, and, and the truth is, this is, what, this is what people in all kind of churches say is one of the biggest challenges to sharing their faith with people outside the church is they don't finish the blank. Know any, right? Except here's the problem. That's actually not true. And it's not true for me either. Like, that's my excuse, but, but if I think about it, it's, it's, it's never been true. When we moved to Columbus, a number, number of years ago, we moved to Columbus, and we, were, uh, uh, we had been there for just a few months, and uh, out in front of the church, the boys, um, the boys and some other friends from church were, uh, were swinging uh, a baseball bat and a little, it um, uh, might have been a tennis ball because of the windows, because um, we were smart back then. Um, and, uh, and one of the dads, uh, uh, he was a Little League coach, he walks over and he tells Julie, so um, uh, when's he... When's he signing up for Little League? And Julie's like, what, League? You know? And because uh, they were still little and we didn't know what we were doing. And he was like, oh, no, he's signing up for Little League. You see that swing and all that kind of stuff. And so there we were, like two weeks later at Little League. And, um, and that started five consecutive years of Little League baseball. Anybody? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not the kind of dad that would be there every night, right, for Little League baseball. I was there eight nights a week, right? Anybody relate to that? Anybody have any kids that ever played soccer? Right? How many, is that nine days a week, soccer? Is, how many, is that right? Yeah? Cheerleading. How many days a week is that? Is that like 47 days out of the month? Is that how that works? Cheerleading? Soccer, cheerleading, what am I missing? Um, football, baseball, oh, softball. I mean, I, how can I miss that? Band? Yeah, there's band. I mean, you, you're, you're with me, right? Well, here's the thing. Here's what I found when I was at Little League all the time. I found that the umpires didn't like it when you talk back to them. Okay, that's not, that's not the sermon. That's not the sermon. Um, I found that I was. I found that I was spending a lot of time with people who weren't in church. And and I was doing my best to be myself. 
And in the process of being myself around people who weren't in church, they started asking me questions like, hey, where do you go to church? And, I, and you, you, you're going to take my word for this. I would tell them the exact same thing I still say today. And I would, uh, I would say, well, I go, to, I go to this Methodist church, and, uh, but I need to tell you ahead of time that the preacher talks a long time. <laughs> That's what I say. And, uh, and this, is, this is the truth. We don't live in Columbus anymore, right? We live in Col- but we live in, we live in H- Houston County now. We live in Bonaire. And two Saturdays ago, I was at the first baseball scrimmage out at, at Veterans High School and, uh, and was there. It was freezing cold that day. Um, and I was there, and I had three different adults ask me, all right, now, you're Sam's dad, right? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, and where do you go to church? And I responded to each one of them, well, I go to the Methodist church just up the road, but I need to tell you something. The preacher, he talks a long time. Um, just know that. And they, they all of them said, we've actually heard that already. <laughs> But the thing is, now, Jacob's story, which is so, so old, still works. Or or put another way, Jacob's methods still work. And what were those? Listen. He found that he was traveling with people. And he simply told them his story. And in the end, there was a call for them to change. Now, here's what's fascinating, and it happens over and over and over in the Bible. Uh, uh, it happens in, uh, later with the story of Joshua. It happens later throughout the New Testament, is that when Jacob, go back and read it. When Jacob in Genesis 35 calls them to this, he doesn't berate them. He doesn't tell them, oh my gosh, it's do or die. He simply says, you have a choice. Choose to believe in the one true God or keep, keep carrying around these false gods, right? But here's my story. I've been in trouble before, and every time I cried out, God answered. Now, that's Jacob's story. My story would be like this. I've been in trouble before, and every time I've cried out, I've known an answer. Sometimes I can hear it, and then sometimes I can't hear it. I mean, God oftentimes speaks to me very quietly. God, should I do this? I'm guessing that's a no, since you're still quiet about it. That's, this is my story. And, and just like Jacob's story, everywhere I've ever gone, God was with me in that. What's, what's, the, what's the ancient biblical method for sharing our faith with people who are, who are traveling with us? Well, it's, it's to share your story. It's to share your story. That's, that's what's worked for Jacob, and that's what's worked for me. I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll close with this, and it's not even a story. It's just a, it's a thing that's happened, and it's going to set us up for the next thing. Um, 
So uh, we've known we've known for a, a many weeks now that this is what we're going to be preaching on this weekend, and what this is what we were going to be preaching on this month. And uh, and on Monday, I got an email uh, from someone, uh, one of my colleagues, one, you know, somebody in the Methodist Church of South Georgia. I got this email, and it said. Um, uh, we're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this. And then one of the things said, we've redone this little thing and you should use it and it's going to be great. And I did what everybody does, right? When you get work email is if you don't have to do it, what do you do? You just delete it, okay? And so I deleted it. That was like Monday. And then a couple days go by and I see an email and it's referring to the same thing again. And, uh, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe, but I doesn't say I have to do it and so I'm not going to do it. And, uh, and then Thursday came and we were right here in this room and we're... Uh, and all the preachers uh, of Methodist churches in Warner Robins are here in the in the room with us, and um, and we're watching this live uh, teleconference thing um, for uh, for folks in South Georgia, and uh, and they pull out um, they pull out this thing that I keep getting the emails about, and uh, and at this point God is like Scott, the third time you've got to pay attention, and it's this little pamphlet, and uh, it's a it's a revision of something that the church did in the 80s with a an old preacher named uh, G. Ross Freeman. It's uh it's this little pamphlet. You can see the title. It uh it says praying praying for five. And th- I mean it, it, again, I'm very slow. Three times God um three God, times God revisited me, and um and and I finally slowed down long enough, and I said, okay, the third time what is this that people keep telling me about? And lo and behold, on the week that we're preaching about telling our story to people that are traveling with us, the Methodist Church of South Georgia has, uh, has uh, revised a little pamphlet with 40 days worth of, of, of scripture and prayers and stories and encouragement that we might, get this, share our faith and tell our story to people that are traveling with us. That's exactly what this little pamphlet's about. And so, um, again, I'm slow, but I'm not dumb. And so after the third time, I, uh, I picked up the phone, and, um, and I bought 250 of them. And, um, and we're going to start, we're going to pass these out and distribute these this week, and, uh, and we're going to use these to, um, to, to travel through Lent together because God is clearly working in our midst to tell us that there are people who are traveling with us that need to hear our story. And the first thing we can do for them is to pray about it. We should pray about it. Let's pray. Gracious God, indeed, there are people that you have placed not by accident around us. That we're traveling with, that we're doing life together, alongside of, in the midst of. Lord, help us not to get our words right, just help us us to open our mouths. Help us to put our stories on display both with words and with actions. Allow them to see on the exterior the change that has happened on the interior. Lord, help us. 
to find the people who are traveling with us and tell our story. You are the God of abundant grace in my life. And my prayer is of thanksgiving. Help me to share that grace. I pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.